0: We are on the bottom, the very bottom of Zion Bay's 7b-4 in the arch Gemara, and we are continuing on with the wedding ceremony. And the b'risa says as follows, Tonor berchas chasanim basara kol shiva. We're actually, sometimes we're discussing the wedding ceremony, sometimes we're discussing the Sheva Brachos, the seven days uh, following the wedding, days of celebration, and days in which, we say the seven blessings uh, if there is a meal together with the chassan and kala, the bride and the groom. And uh, if it's for them, and as we will see, it requires ten people. This b'risa says that we recite the blessings if there are ten people who are present. Amr of Yehuda, of Yehuda qualifies this and he says something very important. He says, V'hu panim this is only true if there are new faces at the meal. You need to have somebody who is not at the wedding uh, for the Panem Chadashos, uh, for, uh, in order to recite these seven blessings. Now, what, why and what exactly does it mean that they are Panem Chadashos, that they are new faces? Uh, so Rashi happens to mention that it's not just that they were not at the wedding. He seems to imply that they just weren't there the day before seems to be that even if they were at the wedding, as long as uh, the bride and the groom haven't seen them for a day, it's a reason to recite the seven blessings. Others disagree and say no. It means that they weren't at the actual wedding. We have people who weren't at the actual wedding. Then the bride and they come to celebrate and they're with the bride and the groom. Some of these commentators say they have to be people who are there. They know the bride and the groom. They know the khasan and the kala. They increase in the happiness and in the celebration. Can't just pick any random people off the street. Um, And the reason why we need these people is because since there's an added element of celebration, because now there's new people who are coming to celebrate with the bride and the groom, and so therefore, it's a reason to then recite the seven blessings once again. Um, And so therefore, you need these panim chadashos, these new faces. The Rambam, Maimonides, has has a different take on this. He says that they're really there the blessings are really there for the new people, the new people who haven't heard the blessings yet. Uh, they never heard these blessings, so now we have the blessings for, for them. But that's really uh, a separate opinion. According to, according to most, the reason why we need these people there, the new people there, uh, is for the fact that uh, it increases in the joy and the celebration, and so therefore uh, we recite these seven blessings. Uh, according to some of the commentators... Even Shabbos alone, let's say it's Shabbos, Shabbos is always one of the seven days of the week, and so we have seven days of celebration, Shabbos always uh, is one of those days, and so Shabbos alone would act as the new Panam Chadashos, as the new uh, face, that there's an increase in Simcha, there's an increase in happiness on Shabbos itself, we don't need to have new people who are present, Shabbos, for all the meals of Shabbos, we would recite the seven blessings. There is also a discussion, what happens if they are there for either only the chuppah, only for the ceremony, but not for the meal, or if they're there for the meal, but not for the chuppah, would that make any difference? Could they then be included in uh, these panam chadashos? That is also a discussion there. There's a lot to discuss in terms of who qualifies as panam chadashos, as these new faces, uh, but we don't have time to get into that. Okay. The Gemara now asks, My Mavarech, what are these seven blessings? Again, these are the seven blessings that we recite at the actual wedding, under Chuppah, and then we also recite it uh, during the week uh, during the week of celebration, during the Shavar Baruchos, during the, the, the week of celebration. Again, if you have a meal with the Chassan and Kala, and there are ten people present, and you have these Panam Chadashos, these new faces, so then you would say it during the week. But certainly we say it uh, under the Chuppah. So what are the seven blessings? So the first one, they don't even mention. Number one is not even mentioned. That's just the regular one on the cup of wine. That we have uh, various mitzvot that we want to uh, increase in its importance. And so therefore we do it over a cup of wine. So that's one bracha. And then we continue on with the other six. Amravihuda Rav Yehuda, Baruch Hashem, Melech Ha'olam, Shehakol Baruch that everything was, God created everything for His glory. What does this have to do with a wedding? The answer is, is, not that much. Or we'll see, maybe maybe it does. Uh, but essentially, Rashi explains that this is a blessing that we say when a lot of people are gathered together. When people are gathered together, so then we recite this blessing. It's not necessarily connected to the other blessings, to the other brachos. But we say when a lot of people are gathered together. Technically, you might be able to say it at an earlier point in time in the wedding, when other people are gathered together. But because we recite these other brachos, these other blessings, we just put it all Together, uh, there are those who ask, well, how come we don't say this in other occasions? Why don't we say this at a bris? Uh, why don't we say this at a bar mitzvah? Why don't we say this uh, at other, in other occasions? Um, and an ex- a very interesting explanation that I heard was that when it comes to, when it comes to these other things, when it comes to, to a bris and a bar mitzvah, that is something which is uniquely Jewish, that's something which is only a celebration and it's clear that it's for a Jewish reason. When it comes to a wedding, everybody has a wedding. Jews have a wedding, non-Jews have a wedding. And so we recite this blessing to say that people are gathering together. This is not just any wedding, this is a, this is a spiritual wedding. This is a wedding which is celebrating uh, the next link in, uh, in the next generation that is passing on the Mesorah, the tradition, our Jewish tradition. This is a celebration for God's glory. And so we have to say it specifically at a wedding because uh, others also, other nations also have weddings, but we're trying to explain how this is different. Okay, the second blessing is you recite the bracha then you say, Yotzer Ha'adam. The second blessing is also uh, not directly connected to the wedding itself. Uh, It's really because of the third blessing. The third blessing is going to discuss the creation of Chava, of Eve. Before we get there, we first have to discuss the creation of Adam. The first couple is Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve. And so, the second blessing discusses the, the fact that God fashions man, referring to Adam. And then the third blessing says, again, the third of the sixth. I'm, I'm ignoring the, the blessing which is on the wine. The third one is, The blessing is, we bless God who fashioned man in his image, um, and he prepared for him Uh, A building for eternity. Blessed are you, Hashem, who fashions the man. And this is referring to the creation of Adam and Chava, the first couple in the world. And then we have the fourth blessing. The fourth blessing is really uh, about Yerushalayim, about um, the destruction of the Temple and of Jerusalem. And within our rejoicing, we have to also mention the fact that um, once again, in the near future, God willing, uh, the streets of Yerushalayim will once again rejoice with the coming of Mashiach. And it says the barren one, referring to Yerushalayim, should rejoice intensely and exult at the ingathering of her children amidst her in gladness. And this is why also we have other practices to uh, remember the destruction, we're supposed to remember the destruction during our most uh, happiest moments and occasions, um, and so there's the custom of also of taking ashes and putting on the forehead of the of the groom. Uh, there's now a more recent custom of uh, singing, mm-hmm. uh, of singing a song about uh, the fact that uh, we'll never forget Jerusalem, and so there are diff- different customs surrounding that. And so that's really the fourth blessing. Blessing number five, That uh, we talk about the intense gladness and rejoicing between companions, between a husband and wife, just as God gladdened his uh, creatures in the Garden of Eden, that the happiness should be the same happiness that uh, took place in Gan Eden, in the Garden of Eden, Blessed are you Hashem who gladdens the chassan and kala, the bride and the groom. Uh, Just one addition to that is that it says Reim Ahuvim that it's referring to friends and to lovers and I heard one explanation that friends and lovers are referring to different time periods during the marriage. Sometimes they're allowed to be uh, have marital relations and that's when they are lovers Um, and then even if they're they're not allowed to be physically intimate at times, uh, so they're still friends. They are Reim. They are friends and at all times they should have a very strong uh, relationship and always be in, uh, in, uh, in, a, in a close, uh, happy relationship. And finally, the last blessing is Baruch Atah Hashem, blessed are you God. We have 10 descriptions of, of happiness. Uh, according to some, it's 12. Created joy and gladness, Chasam vekala, groom and bride, gila, rina, dita vechedva, mirth, glad song, pleasure and delight. Uh, Ava, V'achva, V'shalim, love, brotherhood, peace, and companionship. And we say, Mehei Rashemel Kinu Yishamah, Baarei Yehuda, Bechudas, Yushalayim, Hashem, let there speedily be heard in the cities of Yehuda and in the streets of Yushalayim, Kol Sasan, ve'kol simcha, the sound of joy and the sound of gladness, Kol Chasan, ve'kol Kala, uh, the voice of the Chasan and the voice of the Kala, Kol matas Chasanim, Bechupasan, the sound of the groom's jubilance. From the canopy, and the youth, moving on to 882 in the art school of their uh, meals, which are filled with song. Barkha Tashem Sameh Hasan Im Hakala. Blessed you Hashem, who gladdens the groom with the bride. Ten different descriptions here of happiness. And I just want to make two points. One point is that in the sixth blessing, in the second to last blessing, it says groom with the groom and bride. And then at the end of the last one, it says, groom with the bride. And this would fit why, why the difference in language. You could explain that it's groom with the bride in the last blessing, in the last bracha, because after you recite the brachos, as we've seen in, uh, discussed in previous recordings, that's when uh, the groom and the bride are allowed to be physically intimate. And so therefore, it's the groom with the bride. Until we get there, it just says the groom and the bride, but not the groom with the bride. Uh, and one last point with regards to the Shavah brachos, these seven blessings, is that it's pretty unbelievable that uh, for weddings amongst the Jewish people for thousands and thousands of years have had the same exact bracha, the same exact way of celebrating through these seven brachos, through these seven blessings, um, and has continued until this very day. And it's really uh, quite unbelievable uh, that we have such a strong tradition and such a strong misuris, such such a strong uh, transmission of Halacha. Okay, continuing on in the Gemara. The Gemara says, So there happens to be that there's a dispute about how many blessings there are. Levi went to a certain wedding, and Levi recited five blessings. It really means six, because we're, we're always ignoring the bracha, the blessing on the wine. So when it says five here, it really means six. And Rav Asi, he went to the home of Rav Ashi and they recited six, meaning the regular amount that we have, meaning really seven. So what's the one that they're not sure about? The one that they're not sure about is the one that says V'yotzer Ha'adam. What we said a few minutes ago was that we have really two blessings. One is on Adam and one is on Chava. One is on Adam and one is on Eve. And the question is, do we really need two separate brachos? Do we need two separate blessings for both, or can we put them all together into one? And that seems to be what, they, what they're what they arguing about. The Gemara is the going to elaborate on this, but that is essentially their argument. Uh, was it, uh, do we need to have two blessings for one for Adam and one for Eve, or could we just have one for both of them together? Why would you say one way versus the other? So the Gemara says, What's their argument about? Umar Savar states, here is Hava. There's a question. There's a question when when Adam, when Adam was first created, how was he created and how was Chava created? There are two different opinions. One opinion is that Adam was first created, um, and then he was created with an appendage. And then through that, Chava was created. Uh, so it was really. Um, two acts of creation. First Adam, and then through Adam. And the appendage then, Eve, then Chava was created. And there will be two acts of creation. And there's another approach, which is that, no, it wasn't that, it was through that. But first, when Adam was first created, he was basically created double-headed. With Adam, there was two heads, Adam on one side and Chava on the other side. And so that was through one act of creation. We'll try to give an explanation why it was like that in a minute. But... Basically, we're saying it was a one act of creation or two acts of creation. If it was two acts of creation, the Gemara wants to suggest that that's why we have two blessings. If it was one act, it would be one blessing. Uh, the Gemara is about to reject this, but that's that's the uh, original thought of the Gemara. And the Gemara says, "No, lo, everybody agrees uh, that there was only one fashioning of uh, Adam and Eve. Uh, it was really one. Um, it was a they had two two faces. There was Adam and Eve, Adam lechava." Back to back with each other in the same body but two different faces, but it was really one. And um, And what, what are they arguing about? Why would you say that it requires two blessings versus one? Because Hashem initially wanted to separate him. Hashem initially wanted to make two separate acts to make Adam and then to make Chava. But in the end, in actuality, he made them all into one. He made them all into one, both Adam and Chava were created at once with one body. Um, and so that's the dispute. If you have two blessings, uh, it's because we go based on the initial thought process, which was that God initially wanted to have them separate. And then if you have only one blessing for both Adam and Eve, so then it would be because you go based on what actually happened, which is that Hashem created Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava, together. And the Gmar just explains, and then we'll give one beautiful explanation in a second. Kihadu this is all based on Rav Yehuda because he says that there's the following contradiction in the Psukim, in the verses themselves. In one verse it says that God created man in his image. In the singular, it sounds like it happened all at once. And then in another verse it says that God created male and female. So did it happen at one time or in two, in two stages? God initially in his thought process wanted to create two and then in the end, he created one. So what exactly is going on here? What's the idea behind this? And you could have many questions. What does it mean a thought process for God that he changed his mind? No, he didn't change his mind. You can never say God changed his mind. But perhaps the idea, one idea, is that what it means in his thought process, and his thought process is that uh, his ideal is for them to be two. Why did God create them as one initially? God created them as one initially to show how whenever we get back together, whenever a marriage happens and the and the husband and wife get back together. It's like they're getting back to their complete selves. It's really trying to signify, symbolize something, which is that you you are now coming uh, to your to your whole self. You're becoming shalom. You're becoming complete, because it's like you were you lost you lost the part of yourself, and by by through the marriage you are becoming whole. And so therefore, God wanted to be two. We're two separate people who are coming together, but He created us as one. The the initial creation of Adam and Eve was at, as one with one body and two heads uh, to show how uh, when we are separated and we're coming back, we're really, it's not somebody new who we're, who we're going on this, uh, the, this journey through life, but it's really, we are returning. It's a form of returning back to our complete selves. Okay, let's continue on in the Gemara for a little bit. Rav Ashi Iklalebe Rav Kahana. Rav Ashi went to the home of Rav Kahana for a wedding. Apparently they had all these weddings at different people's homes. They didn't have wedding halls, I guess. Yom HaKam on the first day he recited all of the Sheva Brachos, all seven of them that was for the, for the first day for the wedding and the, the meal after the wedding Mikam Ve'elach after the first day Ik HaPanam Chadosh so then that's the rest of the Sheva Brachos so there's certain conditions if there are new people new faces then you recite the Sheva Brachos, like we said earlier V'ilo but if not so then Afushi Simcha Ba'almahu then there's a little bit more of Simcha of rejoicing you still say something you don't say all seven but you say v'asher bara." In the beginning of of Birkan Amazon, of benching, there is uh, as part of the introduction to the to the zimun. When you have three people, three men together, we recite a, a zimun. So you add "sheasimcha uh, b'me'ono," the phrase that "who uh, abode in, in, is the joy" in "whose abode is the joy." Uh, sorry, and then in the last, then after the benching, you say one blessing, which is the last one. Ashurbara. You recite the one last one. You don't recite all seven, but you say just the last one. This is all in a situation where we do not have Panam uh, we do not have new faces. Avad Shoshim, that's for the first seven days. The Gemara continues and says the following practice. If you have from seven to thirty, from day seven to thirty, Bain From day seven to thirty. From so then if there are meals which are for the sake of the wedding it's an extension we're having these meals because of the wedding so then you continue to say that that phrase that's in the introduction ono about the rejoicing and then from then on for the for the whole year if you have another meal that's for the wedding if you have that for the rest of the year so then if it's explicitly stated that it's for the for the sake of the festivities of the wedding so then you also say you also say that phrase Again, this is not part of the Shavah Brachos. This is not part of the seven blessings. This is just a phrase that's recited at the very beginning. And so we should, we, you should recite that phrase for the entire year, which could be a source for the concept. There is a concept of Shana Rishona, that the first year of marriage um, is, is different than the rest, that they should spend more time with each other uh, during that first year of marriage, as, they, as that is the foundation for, uh, for, their, for their marriage for the future. Um, and so this is the idea that we recite She'a Simcha for the entire year. So the Gemara asks a few more minutes. Um, so the Gemara says, This is what we mentioned before. Until how long do you have? You have, you have a year. You have a year where you can recite this introductory phrase of She'a Simcha Ono. When does it start? When does it start? So it starts, When they start preparing the meals for the, for the wedding. You're, you're already allowed to say it. You can even say it before the wedding. You can even say it before the wedding, as long as you, know, you, know, you really expect this wedding is going to happen. Nobody's backing out of the deal, because you already started preparing for the actual wedding itself, for the wedding party. Uh, so the Gemara says, This is true. But Papa, who we just quoted, really started reciting this even earlier, even from the, for the whole year he did it, from the time of the first stage of the marriage, of the engagement. He said it for the whole year. Samur so said, no, Shani Repubba to was different. He actually, he was very wealthy and he actually started preparing for the actual wedding a year in advance. So as long as you're preparing for the wedding, so then you already have that added element of, of rejoicing and you can recite this phrase. There's another incident with regards to this phrase, Ravina Yosik Libre Bey of Chaviva. Ravina, he was a he, he was a shatzan, he was a matchmaker for his son with uh, a daughter of uh, Rav Chaviva. Ubarak Mishas He also said it that he began saying it from the time of the engagement, even though they didn't begin the wedding preparations. Why? He said, "Amar kimli He says, "I'm confident that they're going to get married," and unfortunately, that uh, that wasn't uh, the case. And in fact, uh, this was wrong because they actually did back out of the marriage. Uh, another incident. We are on uh, the article 8A4 in the bottom of the first column. Rav Tachlifa, from Israel, he went to Bavel, he went to Babylonia. Baruch he sent six long brachos. He made them longer. We don't follow him. Rav Chavi, Ikla leBei went to a bris, So not just when it comes to a wedding, but he said it even by a bris, by a circumcision. And he said this blessing of, of rejoicing, uh, this introduction, sorry, of rejoicing, but we don't really follow him. Because we don't say this because even though it's a time of, of happiness and joy, but at the same time, we know that there's an element of, of pain that's involved when it comes to the baby because the baby is going through a circumcision. And so therefore, it's not appropriate To recite this rejoicing in front of the baby, the baby's going through some pain. Um, And so therefore, even though it's a time of celebration, it's a time of happiness, but at the same time, we refrain from saying that phrase at a bris. We say it at a wedding, but we don't say it at at a bris, at a circumcision. Okay, we are on 8A4 in the second column. We will continue with the Gemara in the next recording.